Blog Talk Radio. again to the Lucky Mojo Voodoo Root Work Hour, brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. I'm your announcer, Doc Murphy, of rootdocmurphy.com in Paganistan, Minnesota, and in just a moment we'll be joined by our co-host, Catherine Ironwood of luckymojo.com in Forestville, California, and Conjurman of conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. This week, we will be joined by special guest Evan Lionheart of ReadingsByEvan.com in New Jersey and Deacon Millett of FourAltars.com in the high desert of California. Bringing us today's Oracle Hour on Astrology. They will take your calls and offer advice to address, ameliorate, and remediate your questions and problems about love, money, career, and spiritual protection using traditional African-American folk magic practices of hoodoo, conjure, or root work, as defined and prescribed by the greatest spiritual hoodooists of our time. You can learn a lot just by listening, but if you're selected from those among who signed up at the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and called into the show, then you'll be on the air and receive a free consultation. We'll be going to the phones in just a moment, but first let's catch up with our co-hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjure Man. Miss Cat? Hi, thank you so much for the intro, Doc Murphy. Tell us what's happening in your world in Paganistan. Oh, Twin Cities Pagan Pride is coming up next week. It'll be uh, several decades on that they've been doing this publicly, but I will not be attending for the first time in 20 years because I actually next week will be attending the Virtual Voodoo Heritage Festival instead. Um, yeah, great support for the community to do that. There is... There's a real desire in the pagan community here to learn more about voodoo, so I'm seeing this as a uh, cross-cultural assignment. So there you go. Wow. That's wonderful. That's very loyal of you and and very um, <clears throat> educational, <clears throat> you know, to to take time from a, a social gathering that means a lot to you to, to come and learn. That Hoodoo Heritage Festival, we've got... Great hopes for it, Virtual second Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, September 11th and 12th. Um, tickets are still on sale. If you order your tickets right now, you may still get your goodie box in time. We have goodie boxes made. We made more than last year. So we knew there were going to be a need for them, but now we're running out of days to send the goodie boxes. So get your tickets now, and you'll get your goodie boxes. Otherwise, they'll come after the show. But when you have the festival, the Virtual Hoodoo Heritage Festival, you will have access to those workshops on other days at your convenience. So you will be able to get the goodie box and put it all together. All that will be kind of a little different will be the participation in the live chat and the readings that you can book with readers. I know I've been uh, completely uh, booked up. There are no more readings with me available uh, for the two days of the festival, but I know there are some other readers who may have slots open. Check that out if you want to get a reading during the festival between the workshops. It's all scheduled so that you get an hour of workshop, which is 
a presentation and then a Q&A, questions and answers with the presenter, and then there's a half-hour layoff during which you can get a reading if you want one. And the readers are not only the members of AIR who are presenters, but they are all members of Hoodoo Psychics, which is the uh, world's foremost boutique reading line. And why is it so great? Because we give root work advice as well as readings, and we're not limited to platitudes. We tell it like it is, and that's because our fond leader, Deacon Millet, has made it so. He's made a really great place for readers of all stripes. Now, I've been working on uh, on my workshop presentation. I'm a little little late, but not totally jammed up. I've been making uh, photography with Nagashiva. We've been photographing Palad Keeks, which are Thai penis amulets, and we've been photographing <coughs> excuse me, uh, cake toppers for my sex magic book. And the Pollock Keeks also have a relationship to the book uh, How to Use Amulets, Charms, and Curios, <clears throat> as well as the sex magic workshop. And I got a message today. <clears throat> Excuse me a moment. I'm going to take a little sip of tea here. That's better. I got a message today on Facebook. Someone asked me, how can cake toppers, wedding cake toppers, how can they have anything to do with sex magic? And I just rolled my eyes. Well, why wouldn't they have something to do with sex magic? But the person was saying, well, they they would have to do with marriage and commitment spells, but not with lust. And I thought, oh, dear, maybe that person doesn't realize that married people fuck. And, um, <laughs> uh, so I am here to tell the world, this is my message of the week, guess what? Married people fuck, okay? So if if you if I had shown her some spooky voodoo dolls made in China to look like they were made out of feathers and twigs, but they were really cast in resin and sold at Mardi Gras in New Orleans, would she have go, oh, yeah, those are really hot, sexy voodoo dolls? And the cake topper is not? Come on. <laughs> so, um, well, that's all I have to say about that. Um, so today we're doing the Oracle Hour. I'm going to uh, say I'm really thrilled to be doing an Oracle Hour on astrology, really thrilled to be doing with um, Evan and with Deacon Millet, and I'm going to turn this over to my co-host, Conjurman. What's up in your world? Oh, you know, being busy as as usual. I've been away for a little bit, dealing with some uh, political and and world event matters, but uh, I am absolutely uh, back. Uh, this has been such a weird, weird summer. As uh, I think some people thought, twenty twenty one was going to be better than twenty twenty, uh, and it's just as apocalyptic. Uh, I had a friend who said we're probably going to have to come to terms with the fact that twenty twenty was the beginning of the bad years. It wasn't just a bad year, but it was the beginning of a series of, of bad years. And that seems to be so true. I mean, you're kind of looking around and you're watching stuff like the, the anti-vaccine protests and people who are upset over wearing a little piece of cloth and think that it's fascism um, or, or the sort of collapse of the international order we saw sort of horrific violence explode in, in Syria, but also the withdrawal in Afghanistan turned out to be, you know, an absolute disastrously run. Uh, and there's now widespread chaos. 
which it really ties into uh, astrology to a great degree. I remember Deacon Millet was here, so he's a, uh, he was here with us back in December of last year, of 2020. Uh, and it was actually on the same crew. Uh, Evan was there, yourself, and we were talking about the Great Conjunction. And we were talking about the winter solstice, and we were talking about the astrology of that time period. And I remember one of the things I explicitly said was that the Great Conjunction in Aquarius is about fragmentation. It's about empires on retreat and empires that are collapsing. And boy, did that come true. The withdrawal, the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan, which is, should have been done ages ago, has had kind of horrific consequences on the ground for ordinary Afghans. Um, and we're sort of seeing the, the repercussions of that even um, abroad in Europe as people are kind of scrambling and figuring out what are we going to do with things like an increase in refugees over the next several years, right? And Afghanistan falls into civil war, Afghanistan falls to the Taliban, which it has. You're going to see a massive upshoot of, of refugees somewhere between, there's already somewhere between like five to 10 million people displaced. So we are living in, in chaotic, chaotic times. And it makes you long for boring times. I wish when we would stop living in historic times. I just want run-of-the-mill, you know, local politician gets caught with cocaine-type scandal. Let me give me some of that. No more apocalyptic. The world is ending scandals and, and crises. But it has certainly been an interesting summer, and so I've been trying to balance my daily life with trying to deal with these kind of bigger political issues. I'm part of a bunch of grassroots movements and political lobbying groups and whatnot. So it has been very, very busy and it looks like it's going to be busy for the rest of 2021. So for those of you that are waiting uh, on emails from me, I promise I'll get to you soon. Uh, I'm doing some email cleanup this week, so I should be emptying out that uh, inbox soon. Well, I know that um, you've been doing a lot of um, uh, personal uh, work around the um, uh, Afghanistan situation, which mm-hmm. is just horrific beyond belief. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, and I continue to uphold you and um, the people who are being um, sought out and hunted down and um, mm-hmm. hurt and killed by the Taliban in my prayers. and. I really just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for being there to do something because stuff needs to be done. It really does. Mm. And um your prayers are appreciated. Yeah. It's it's really a, a difficult situation. If somebody wanted to help um Afghanistan refugees get resettled and get out and whatever. Is there some organization you might recommend that they connect with? Yeah, uh, there's an organization called Pangea that I would highly recommend. They're doing all sorts of, it's a non-profit legal uh, corporation. I'll put the um, link in the chat. But they do a lot of kind of refugee work and, and helping refugees get out and apply for asylum and whatnot. So that's a really great organization to link up with. And uh, do they need volunteers to help? Do they need money? What can what can people I think, do to help? I think money and awareness are the big things that they need. They already have like a bunch of volunteer lawyers that are working, um, but they uh, mostly it's going to be like funds and and just awareness, raising awareness for what's going on. I think we're we're living in a moment where I think a lot of politicians are kind of 
you know, banking on the fact that this will go away. <laughs> Another scandal mm-hmm. will pop up, and certainly it has, right? The Texas abortion ban moment of assault on women's bodily autonomy, right. right? And so people may not pay attention to what's going on internationally. So keeping pressure on local officials, on your representatives, and, and raising awareness and saying, look, we can chew gum and walk at the same time <laughs> is going to be crucial mm-hmm. in, in these coming months. Wow. Well, okay, so it's it's PangeaLegal.org, P-A-N-G-E-A-L-E-G-A-L, PangeaLegal.org. Thanks for letting us know. And remember, um, legal steps will not help someone if the Taliban come in the night to shoot them. Right. But legal steps exactly. will help them if they can get out of the country and are in another country as an illegal refugee. They need lawyers to get them legit visas, passports, and other things which may have been left behind in the turmoil. Isn't that correct? That's right. So, yeah, that's a really important thing to do. Um, So, yeah, and at this point, people are so bombarded by the concepts of conspiracy theories and fake news, they don't even know what they're looking at anymore. And to watch oh, a whole nation go down this path is very sad. It's very, very sad. Mm-hmm. Well, um, let's get to our topic. Our topic today is Oracle Hour. We do these on the first Sunday mm-hmm. of the month, and this one was Brilliantly set up by you, Conjurman. Thank you so much. Um, bringing us in two guests, and the topic is astrology. And astrology takes a little preparation. So right okay. behind the scenes, so everyone doesn't hear. Actually, <laughs> we're running down, pulling things out of the printer. I've got my pen. I'm going to mark things up. Um, what you talk about astrology while I mark up this chart, okay? <laughs> and uh, sure. And then uh, we'll bring in. Just give a little intro, and then we'll bring in. Uh, Deacon Millet and Evan, and we'll all talk about astrology. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm I'm very excited for for this particular topic. I think it's uh, something everyone is interested in in astrology, but they don't really know where to get started in. Uh, astrology is probably one of the world's oldest systems of divination, uh, by which I mean an actual formalized system. Divination predates astrology. People have been in divining with bones. People have been divine, divining with smoke and fire since we were in caves. But uh, it's the real. It's the first formal system we stretches all the way back to the beginnings of civilization with Mesopotamia, ancient Egypt, and the Indic civilizations. But also uh, we have experiences of astrology in places like China and Japan. It is also probably the most, uh, the divination probably that overlaps the most with popular culture. Everybody knows their sun sign. Everybody knows their birth sign. Everybody knows kind of what a horoscope is. And it is the divination most misunderstood. <laughs> so there's a lot of different factors going in here. I'm actually very excited to have Evan and Deacon Millet join us. All four of us are astrologers, but we come from very different astrological backgrounds. So hopefully what we'll see today is a little bit of not just the technique of astrology, but also a little bit about the history of astrology. So astrology develops 
really in Mesopotamia, but horoscopic astrology emerges in the second century Hellenistic world. And so the first branch of astrology is generally seen as Hellenistic astrology, followed by the medieval Islamic tradition or the medieval Persian and Arabic tradition, which I will be representing today. And then there is the medieval Latin tradition, the Renaissance tradition, and then modern astrology, which has a variety of different branches from Uranian astrology to Jungian astrology. So we'll see a variety of different techniques today. It is the one most associated with time, and so you'll see us kind of play around with this idea of transits, of time lords, of particular auspicious moments or moments that are inauspicious, and maybe see a little bit of concrete predicting, like um, in the month of July, you'll experience this in the second week of February. You'll have a particularly good time with money. So this is a really interesting glimpse. It's obviously not going to be able to cover the entirety of the astrological tradition, but maybe the beginnings of a long-term conversation. We might have another future oracle hour uh, on a different style of astrology. Um, but it is a, one that I was most excited about, and I'm super thrilled to be joined by Evan, who is a brilliant astrologer, and Deacon Millet, who is famed for his uh, astrology of couples and love and sinistry, and, of course, Miss Cat, who reminds me of the astrologers of my youth when I was getting astrological readings when I was a teen. They were very similar to Miss Cat, but Miss Cat is the uh, you know, astrologer par excellence. And so we'll have a nice conversation between all of us discussing what astrology means in our different practices, how we use it, uh, what forms of divination, magic, etc. that it intersects with. And then we will actually examine some horoscopes and birth charts. So it's bound to be an interesting, interesting episode. All right. Well, thank you for that intro. I'm still marking up this chart. <laughs> yeah, this let's is the thing in, with astrology. It takes our... a little bit. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, preparing. Yeah. Um, it's a mathematical game. Uh, let's it bring is, in um, uh, uh, Deacon Millet and Evan Lionheart. Which one of you guys wants to go first? Well, well I we am actually... <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Deacon. <laughs> go ahead. Evan, please, please, please. Okay, I mean, I'm... Look, I, I mean, I can delineate charts pretty quickly, but you guys caught me a little off guard 30 minutes before. No, yet, no, so not delineate, still... but let's talk a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about what oh. astrology means in your practice before we even look oh, at the chart. Oh, okay. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. When we say astrology, because there's so many different uh, branches of it, what type of astrology do you practice and that you might be showcasing today? Yeah, sure thing. So um, the type of astrology that I predominantly work in, or the system rather, is Hellenistic astrology. So that's very mm-hmm. much based on the um, traditional practice of using the traditional classic seven planets that's including mm-hmm. the luminaries. So, you know, um, for those of you who aren't aware, in that branch of astrology, um, and most branches of astrology, the sun and the moon are considered to be planets. Um, that's just mm-hmm. uh, how they viewed them back then. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. we take that into account. But um, I've also had, you know, really interesting encounters with evolutionary astrology as well, which mm-hmm. um, well, it, it has uh, inflections of modern astrology. So for people who aren't too aware, um, one of the biggest uh, deviations you'll see between modern astrology and traditional uh, Hellenistic astrology is the 
um, inclusion of the outer planets. So, uh, for mm. instance, a lot of people, they'll see, uh, you know, modern sun sign astrology now will indicate, well, if you're Pisces, your ruling planet is Neptune. Well, traditional um, astrology says, no, your ruling planet is Jupiter, because Neptune wasn't mm. around uh, then. So, um, you know, I, t- I take that into account, but I also take into account uh, the evolutionary astrology perspective of Pluto and its uh its effect and its significance within the birth chart. Uh, evolutionary astrology emphasizes both the nodal placements, so the placements of your south and north node, and also uh, emphasizes the placement and uh, the condition of Pluto in your chart. So it, it's something that I use in tandem, but um, I guess just to give people a little bit of background, <laughs> my interest in astrology uh, actually came about as a child. I was one of those weird loner kids who was always uh, reading books in the library. <laughs> so I found a book on a greek mythology and i was so into uh mythology that like just reading these stories about these different archons and deities that it Mm -hmm. it transcended into an interest into astrology when i got older and finally understood things but um Mm -hmm. yeah astrology can find you in just about any uh any avenue if you're open and willing to really learning about it but uh, that's a little bit about the um approach that i use in my practice Oh, very cool. That's very interesting. You and I have a very similar uh, style in some regards. I use medieval astrology, which has a lot of commonalities with Hellenistic astrology. Deacon Millet, you're, you, I mean, when I joined AIR, you were already renowned for astrology. And in fact, if I remember correctly, I actually got an astrological reading for you, a couple's reading, if I'm not mistaken, many uh, years back. You probably don't remember, <laughs> but I still have it. It's one of my cherished possessions. I love that report that you, you gave me. So can you talk a little bit about the astrological practice you've developed and what clients can expect if they come to you for astrology? Absolutely. Well, first and foremost, i got to say, Evan, that's magical because, of course, we both came at this from Greek mythology. I fell in love with mm-hmm. Greek mythology. <laughs> um, it, it was, I loved it before I discovered superheroes. Um, and mm-hmm. they're, you know, same thing. Um, they're iconic representations of different spiritual forces and psychological forces in our lives. Um, and so that also brought me to astrology. But um, I, more than just that, the, the, the two aspects of astrology that fascinate me the most are dentistry, which is a very mm. bad word, which just means, and I never use it on my website anywhere else, but at one time <laughs> here, relationship astrology, where we mm. take where we take people's, people's charts and layer them one upon the other to see what would happen if all of these planets were in the sky at the same time. What would the aspects between these people be? And that's the chart that I did for you way back when. Um, mm-hmm. And me, I, I firmly believe that everyone should have that chart. Everybody should have that interpretation because it's an instruction manual for your relationship. If you just read it first and accept mm-hmm. it for what it says, don't mm-hmm. just say, you know what? It's always going to be this way. And mm-hmm. we're always going to have this difficulty between us. So we better either accept it and not try to change each other or mm-hmm. move along, you know. Or if there are so many problems between two people that it's impossible just get on with your lives separately. Um, 
it's also been terribly interesting to me to see how charts lock together in ways that you almost can't separate them. And yeah. that's what I have. That's what I have with my husband. I mean, we could no more <laughs> escape each other. <laughs> and, um, and a lot of our aspects are high are squares. You know, it's like we're, oh, we're, we're um, we are so different. Um, and but that, that report, that relationship report allowed me to go, oh, I'm never going to understand him. So I mm-hmm. might as well just love him instead. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so that's a big, big part of my practice. The other part is remediation. And this is where we, we look at the individual chart and see the negative aspect mm-hmm. and try to figure out ways to ameliorate those. What mm-hmm. can we do to make squares and oppositions either um, have less impact on our lives or be less, you know, destructive. Um, how can we do magic to to help our to help live with our stars better, to help our stars live with each other better? Um, and I'll get into some of that at the end of the the show for um, you know discussing some some spell work we can actually mm-hmm. do. But, so I'm. I go at both of those, and I'm, I'm definitely modern astrology in terms mm-hmm. of I, I love Pluto and love Uranus, and, you know, I, I'm, I'm into um, everything except sun sign astrology, which is just the bane <laughs> of my business, but what can we do, you know? Everybody's about the one sign that you are out of 12, and it's like, yeah, no, no, we're <laughs> Way more complicated than that. So oh, yeah. um, that's the other thing about astrology I love is being able to say to people, look, this little this little planet here is the sun. Now look at all this other stuff. It may be hugely important, but mm-hmm. it's not the be all and end all of everything. So anyway, that's a little bit about um, how I approach astrology. Oh, thank you for that. That's fantastic. Kat, do you want to talk a little bit about, uh, you've done astrology on the show um, quite quickly. And in fact, you're kind of the famous format that you follow. is You always ask people their sign before you even pull cards. So can you talk about how astrology is in your practice and how you use it for clients and what someone can expect if they show up and say, hey, I want, a, I want an astrological reading? Well, there are several levels to that. First of all, I want to address the idea of traditional versus modern astrology. Mm -hmm. I prefer the seven sacred planets. However, Mm -hmm. um, I will um, count uh, Neptune, Uranus, and Pluto. If they are doing things with each other that they're not doing Mm -hmm. with the other planets, and if they are doing things with a planet that no other planet is doing. In other words, if they're making a a very direct statement to another planet, I find it interesting that some people will use the asteroids but won't use Neptune and Uranus and Pluto, and that's kind of (laughs) silly. I don't go with the asteroids. I have no interest in the asteroids. I was trained to use some of the Arabic parts, which are mathematical calculations, like the part of fortune and so forth. Um, I'll be using them. (laughs) 
Good, good. You can have them. That's good. <laughs> um, I have a word. I have a name for all of these. Oh, and also the north and south node of the moon. I'm not really into that one either. I call them all, pardon me, the imaginary Arabic points, right? <laughs> yeah, that's good. And they, they are all mathematical calculations. So I don't see very well. I cannot, mm-hmm. I've never seen the planet. Saturn, but I can't see the planet Jupiter. So I'm assuming that if I had normalized sight, I could see Saturn. So I'm looking at building pictures of what the sky looks like and what I would Mm. see above the horizon, below the horizon. So I was very influenced by a a guy named um, Dane Rudyar, which was a a, a pen name that he used. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I knew him. He was an uh, older man when I met him, and he taught astrology uh, in California, and he taught um, <clears throat> pattern astrology, which was kind of invented by a guy named Mark Edmund Jones. And mm-hmm. that, this system looks at the um, at the pattern that if you throw a chart on a piece of paper, the pattern that's formed, like does it form a bow tie? Does it form a fan? Does it form a bowl? Does it form a basket, a bowl with a handle? Does it form a splay where all of the uh, planets are in pairs? So you end up with like five out instead of ten mm-hmm. because they're all in pairs or most of them are in pairs, mm-hmm. like a splayed hand. Uh, does it have things mostly above the horizon or below to the left, which is the, the uh, from midnight to noon? Or is it mostly mm-hmm. on the right from noon to uh, midnight, which would be the falling hands of the clock? So this is these are systems that were invented um, right around the turn of the uh, 20th century. They are not part of what most people consider modern astrology. The teachers were fairly obscure people, and th- but this system kind of grabbed me, and I really got into it, and I like it. So I will talk about uh, aspects. I will talk about aspects that I have names for, because I was taught by a man named Gavin Arthur, who was... Uh, a dramatizer or actor or improviser, and he would really mm-hmm. enact what Saturn looked like with that scowl, and he'd put his chin down, and he goes, "You're," and he points, saying, "You're not getting away with that, Sonny." And that's you know, mm-hmm. and then Jupiter, and then Jupiter comes in, and Jupiter he'd throw the arms out wide, and he'd say, "Oh, Sonny, you're home." You know, it's like wow, difference between Jupiter and Saturn, right? So, by his acting out of the characters. I got a sense of how they are interpreted astrologically. So that's what I mm-hmm. do. It's it's kind of on the fly. Mm-hmm. And I will, often when I'm doing a quick chart, I will, you know, I start with sun sign. Of course, that's easy on the radio. But when I'm actually doing a chart, I also go by the house. I'll just say one more thing and I'll be done. So the, let's say the first house is... Um, mm-hmm. Aries and on a person's chart. It could be Aries. And the ruler of Aries is Mars. And then I look to see where is Mars. And Mars mm-hmm. is in their eighth house, which is their natural Scorpio house. And it can be um, death and accidents. And i got to look, oh, oh, is Mars badly aspected or well aspected? And so you mm-hmm. begin to create a narrative of where the rulers are. And, um, and you know, then that Mars turns out to be, oh, thank God, it's trying Venus and it's going to be okay. You know, you just go through this mm-hmm. whole little, it's like a soap opera. And all of these characters are playing out. So that's how I read charts. It's pretty unique to me. But I have to always call out um, Gavin Arthur, Dane Ridger, Mark Edmund Jones. That Those were some of the people who taught me. 
Oh, very cool. That's so fascinating. So it's eclectic and it really speaks to your history. Um, I'll talk just real briefly about the uh, the astrology that I do. So I, uh, people know me as a tarot reader, but I'm actually known more as an astrology reader in the Middle East. Geomancy and astrology were the kind of first two forms of divination I learned. Um, I learned astrology very, very early on from a teacher, um, uh, Mustafa Manajim, who was a Ghanan, who taught me geomancy, dream divination, and astrology, but his astrology was relatively basic. It was just sort of the ascendant and some electional stuff. Um, and so that was basically my practice all through my youth until around 16, where I met my formal uh, astrological teacher who studied Persian astrology, medieval Persian astrology, a living tradition that was passed down from his family members going all the way back to the ninth century. And so that's where I learned astrology from. And then, of course, looking at modern astrological books and taking various courses and trying to study up on the latest techniques. But in the end, I settled with what I was learning from my teacher, and that is a medieval style of Persian astrology. It's very similar to Hellenistic astrology. It uses the seven classical planets, but then it goes a little further. It's interested in what's known as the micro-divisions of the zodiac. So we divide up the zodiac into 12 parts, known as the Duodoka de Moya, that give us precise details about that individual. We use the decans, which are the three divisions of the zodiac, and we use the terms, which are even further divisions of the zodiac. And then these are combined with uh, time lords, or Sol Sodas, Lords of the Year, in which we argue that not every planet is going to have an effect on your life all the time. That planets will take over for certain periods of time. Certain time in your life will be a lunar period, and other times will be a Mercury period. And so we'll look at those transits and movements and aspects for that period, and that can help us really pinpoint uh, accurate uh, predictions. It is prediction-oriented. In addition to the Time Lords, we apply the Arabic laws, these calculated points. They're invisible parts on the chart, which you combine two planets or more, and then you project from the Ascendant or somewhere else, and it lands on the chart and it gives a specific detail. So, for example, today I'll be talking a lot about the lot of illness and the lot of spirit, which will tell us a great deal about the person's life. And then finally, our ultimate prediction tool is the solar revolution, or what's known as solar return, these annual forecasting techniques in which we break down the life even further after we've identified the Lord of the year, after we've identified these lots, we then examine the actual horoscope of the year by moving the sun symbolically back to the exact moment of your birth. So we're all, I'm all about symbolically moving the chart, moving various things through primary directions, moving things through perfection. And that helps me with a variety of different predictive techniques. And hopefully, we'll have an opportunity to showcase all these different styles because they're very cool and they're very interesting. And I'm hoping to learn from each and every one of you. Um, let's, we have a few more minutes, so let's just uh, finish up with how does, this, uh, how does astrology, and this is open to anybody, how does astrology intersect with your magical practice? So we do tarot card readings to diagnose. Do you do something similar with astrology? We mentioned astrological remediation, for example. And then we want to give a brief description of what astrological remediation is and how might that be related to magic or hoodoo. Gosh, well, I'm just going to jump in and say there are two forms that I know. One is the form of um, enhancing the self by wearing jewelry or amulets that combine symbolic mm, jewels, 
metals and, and forms of the astrological parts that are not corresponding well. And the other form is what I would call uh, the mitzvahs or the good deeds or supporting um, what, might, what you might say spiritually, supporting what's wrong with your chart by engaging in it deliberately, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That makes sense. Oh, what do other people think? That's how I. But let me give you an example of what I meant by do, doing it deliberately. Let's say mm-hmm. you have a chart that says you're not a generous person. You go out of your way to right. be generous to remediate that on the chart. Or you have something on your chart that says um, that water signs are very afflicted by what's in them and it's just not good. Mm-hmm. You you want to go down and make sure you bathe a lot or drink a lot of water because you want to remediate the oh you know like. Mars and stuff mm-hmm. kicking into your Pisces or whatever it might be. Right, right, absolutely. Yeah, I think for me, um, uh, uh, astrological remediation is a combination of like lifestyle changes. Like, okay, if someone is, you know, not generous, yeah. we tell them to, to donate, right? Uh, or if there's an mm-hmm. over influence of a particular element, for example, if there's too much fire on the chart, we may t- have them take cooling baths as a regular practice. So there's a sort of medical uh, lifestyle component to it. And then there's a magical component to it that might involve electional moments. Like I want you to do magical rituals when the moon is in the third mansion of the moon. Uh, or I want you to do, uh, you know, election, you know, certain magic when Venus enters into uh, Libra. Um, and it's talismanic, some type of physical object that is uh, imbued with a particular planetary force or power or movement or spirit that then can counteract whatever's going on. So if a person is, has an afflicted Venus or a Venus that isn't doing particularly well and it results in delays in their relationship, all the love magic in the world may produce love, but the love may fizzle away. But if they were to have a Venus talisman or they were to do some Venus electional work, then that would ensure to counteract the negative influence of Venus in their chart. So it's about all remediation is literally about balance. It's about finding where something has been imbalanced and trying to fix it. And that's how I uh, approach that particular work. So I think of it in terms of, in terms of balance, harmony, almost magical, medical, talismanic approach there. I, yeah, I, I definitely. Oh, sorry. <laughs> no, go right ahead. We're probably going to be on the same track as we usually are. I think so. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> we just have good synergy. Um, I have a very similar approach to how I approach um, my spiritual practice, which encompasses hoodoo, astrology, and a couple other things as well. Um, it sounds like the bumper music's on, though, so I will hold that for another day. <laughs> We will have you back on, I promise. Stay tuned. The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Root Work Hour with your hosts, Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman, and this week's special guests, Evan Lionheart and Deacon Millet, will be right back. We'll be taking calls from our listeners, answering their questions through spiritual divination, and prescribing down-home conjure remedies and remediation. Our call-in clients are selected from among those who have filled out a short questionnaire at the Lucky Mojo Forum, F Forum, Lucky.com. You can listen to the show online through Blog Talk Radio or via telephone by dialing 818-394-8535. If you filled out a client questionnaire at the forum and you have not already done so, please dial in now to 818-394-8535 and press 1 to let you know. Let us know that you're available to be on the air. We will select callers by their area code, and if your area code is announced, we'd like you to say hello and let me, your announcer, Doc Murphy, Read a brief description of your situation before turning it over to our host. 
Now it's time to go to the phones and take our first caller. Our first caller is Lucianos, calling from area code 410. Lucianos, are you there? Yes, good afternoon. Thank you for coming and for calling in. Uh, you indicated in your write-up that you had no previous readings on this particular situation with all of our readers here today. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. And he writes, recommendations for astrological remediation. I have a recurring pattern in my life or my world, especially my social world, periodically disintegrates. Social ties to community and groups dissolve due to relocation or life changes or any number of other factors. Core pieces of identity change, usually for good reason, but the result is still disconnection. And the things that I may have thought were stable foundations in my life simply cease to be. As I come into midlife, I feel like I've expended lots of effort but have little to show for it. And I don't have the same optimism that I can simply rebuild my life from scratch that I did when I was younger. Take it away to our hosts and guests. All right. Well, since um, we didn't get to hear much as we wanted to from Evan and, uh, Con- uh, and Deacon, maybe we should start with them. What do you think about that, Contraman? Yeah, our first uh, reading goes to uh, Evan, followed by uh, yourself, then Deacon Miller, and then finally me. All right, so Evan, take it away. All right, sounds good. Um, first and foremost, thank you so much, Lucianos, for letting me uh, look at your chart. And um, I'm really sorry about your situation. Um, as someone who also has Saturn in the seventh, I totally feel your pain um, with this. Now, I just, I always kind of do like uh, perfections, which is a timing technique. Um, essentially, very similar to Ollie's, it, it is about calculation, but it's a little more simple. Um, he's very good at what he does with calculating for, uh, parts. But what this does is it, it highlights um, an area of your chart based off of your current year of life and shows you what's being activated there and what's happening there. And I always try to look into the verbiage of what people put forth in their uh, messages or when they speak to me. And the, the, the tonality and the words that you used really describe something that uh, speaks to that Jupiter in, in Capricorn, uh, feeling crushed and not having optimism. Um, so if, you, if you're not familiar, uh, Jupiter is the greater benefic. It does bestow those qualities of optimism and um, being able to see the silver lining even when it doesn't seem like there is one. But interestingly enough, Jupiter is currently transiting um, Aquarius right now. It's retrograde, and it's co-sharing uh, the sign with Saturn. So I think this may actually be something that uh, a lot of Jupiter kids, um, especially, you know, you're Pisces, uh, I'm a Pisces as well, um, a lot of Jupiter kids are experiencing this uh, feeling like you're being crushed or like you're sharing an apartment with a terrible roommates who just won't let you uh, get anything done. But um, looking at this more from the perspective of perfections, I, I do see that second house being lit up. Uh, it's ruled by Saturn, which is why I bring that into frame. Uh, Saturn's kind of uh, dictating what goes on there. And I would say, it, it, since this is something that you've been going on, uh, that's been going on for long uh, periods of time, because perfections work off a 12-year uh, cycle, you want to look back to your years of 13, 25, and 37 for similar patterns uh, where you've experienced this or maybe where there, there might have been like a silver lining of a break where you could have done something differently, but the opportunity passed. Um, getting into some of the aspects that are uh, kind of glaring at me, the first thing that stands out is that Saturn at zero degrees uh, in Gemini in the seventh. Um, Saturn in an angular sign, especially the seventh house of relationships, 
can definitely cause delays and, and setbacks when it comes to um, forming, making, approaching, or maintaining long-lasting relationships. It's not that Saturn doesn't have the structure, but Saturn, um, <laughs> Saturn kind of uh, just, just likes seeing you really work hard for these things. Uh, so looking at that, and also your Saturn um, trine retrograde Pluto, which, uh, yeah, Saturn is applying to this trine. Um, I'm wondering if some of those breaks that you cited in, in your write-up uh, maybe get activated by transits uh, to either Saturn or Pluto. So I, I'd say if you, if you go and look at those uh, 13, 25, and 37 years, um, if you look at your own charts, just see if there's anything funky going on with um, transits to uh, any of those, like your 7th house or your 11th house. Um, Uranus is pretty significant there too, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm really looking at that Saturn. So uh, along with that, we also have Venus in Aries in the 5th, and that's conjunct Chiron. Now, Venus is a difficult place. Uh, Venus is difficultly placed in um, Aries. So that, that, can, that can be a little bit difficult when it comes to making cohesive uh, connections with other people. And conjunct Chiron, that might explain why, um, conjunct Chiron in Aries, that might explain why there's some very visceral fr uh, friction um, with sometimes accompanied with these sudden uh, 11th house disruptions that you, that you experience. So um, not to uh, step on on root work or anything, but, you know, just trying to look at this from a full scope astrologically. Uh, Looking at this, I'd say work with Venus. Um, you know, maybe maybe embrace some of Venus's energy here to soothe and ameliorate your natal Venus uh, through rituals of attraction, beautification, and most importantly, self-care. I think with Saturn in an angle, it is very tough to go through life with having that natally, um, especially because you have both benefits um, not in the greatest positions. But I would say transiting um, oh, the next couple of months uh, might be tough for Venus, but you've got her transiting your 11th for the next week or so. Uh, and not only in transit to, um, uh, to uh, Venus, but also your natal moon in the seventh as well. It's going to be transiting your natal, um, making a trine to your natal moon. So I would say this would be a good time to actually warm up that seventh house a bit. Um, Saturn's natural energy is constrictive and cold. Adding some Venus energy to that 11th house, extending it over to the seventh um, through adopting Venusian energy, either wearing green or um, it really em embracing Ven Venusian baths, like stepping into that water energy um, that cohesion that, that she brings. So I know I went a little bit over. I just um, turn it over to uh, Ms. Kat and see if she has anything else to say. Okay. Well, hi, Lucianus. I'll jump right in. So when I look at your chart, it's very filled with uh, planets all the way around. Even when I don't talk about the north and south nodes, it's just a very nice fill. But the axis of your chart is from the Sun and Mercury, which are conjunct. And that means you're very intelligent, very well-placed. They are in uh, Pisces, which is um, emotional, poetic, artistic, and very, very intelligent, very literate. The reason I say this is the axis of your chart, because from there, going outward, there are two sextiles. One sextile to Jupiter rising, and the other sextile to Mars in the uh, fourth house. And then also axing, accessing on that same Sun-Mercury, there are two sets of squares, a square of them to Neptune in the 12th and a square of them to Saturn in the 5th. And this is a kind of symmetry that's um, unusual, just to see everything kind of focusing down on that. And then, of course, that leaves Saturn opposed to Neptune. Right. It, it just makes a little odd pattern. So when I look at this pattern, I think that um, whatever happens to you, your core 
is very much set by those aspects. There are other things going on, and I will get to them in a minute. Um, but as long as you feel that you have your intelligence and your excellent verbal skills, your um, everything else will fall into place for you. So that's a good source of your optimism that the sextile to Jupiter, which is rising, makes you an optimistic person generally. However, as Evan said, and I don't need to go into it in detail, right now all those Jupiter and Capricorn people are crushed. It's really hard. I'm so sorry. It's just really difficult. And you have, you know, so you're you're going to be suffering through that for a while, but it's not permanent. Your Your actual chart does not indicate that this will be a long time thing for you. The biggest problems that I see in your chart, uh, birth-wise, in terms of cycles, uh, uh, Jupiter is opposed to the moon. And so, again, this is a bit of an emotional changeability, Sag rising, moon in Gemini. And also Venus is opposed to Uranus, which means that your female energy is um, often thrown off balance uh, now and again in an unpleasant way. Uh, Uranus is conjunct the midheaven. But what's what's so interesting about this is that um, Venus is in Aries, which is considered bad because it's in the relationship of Mars, and Mars is in Taurus, which is considered bad because it's in the relationship of Venus. And I look at this as someone who is very able to balance male and female energies in a, in a unique way, and in particular with that... Um, Uranus at the midheaven, you're going to be seen as somewhat of an eccentric. You're going to have to just get used to being an eccentric. And uh, let your light shine. It's fine. Uh, Right now is a bad transiting time, but your basic chart really tells a good story and a story of some um, power. The worst things that I see on your chart that could be difficult is the moon opposed to Jupiter, and that's the capsizing of optimism as the moon sinks at the descendant. And so sometimes you're overwhelmed emotionally. That's what I have to say. Mm, Wonderful. Can we have uh, Deacon Millet next? Wow, that was beautiful, both of you guys. Um, Fantastic chart. presents such a well-rounded person, um, which, yeah. which I really like. So just just to uh, hit this T-square, because it's, it's so, um, so difficult, uh, to have your, to have this tension between your intellect and your will and your dreams of Neptune and your discipline of Saturn is is really really hard, and to to have the opposition of of Saturn and Neptune is is excruciating because Saturn is is confinement constriction, and your dreams want to be free. Neptune is is the dreaming self, and uh, your Dreaming self is in the twelfth house. It's it's occulted. It's secret. Your dreams have to remain um, hidden, um, and that can be very hard for you. I would suggest with this placement, um, oppositions. I think of them as teeter totters between two things. You can't hold both your discipline and your dreams simultaneously with this chart. So 
You have to choose one or the other at various times. And you need to be aware of when is my dreaming time and when is my discipline time. And I don't mean during a day. I mean during months and years. And this may play a part in dramatic changes in your community, in your friendships, because you'll have your dreamy friends and you'll have your get-to-work friends. Um, and they may not get along very well. Um, so that can be very tricky. Um, there's also uh, your Jupiter in its, in its tense relationship with Pluto. There's optimism being, being constantly thwarted by death. Pluto is the planet of death. It, it, is, a, it is a planet of endings. And this, I think, is why you come to this core complaint of my friendship's ending. Um, is because your expansive personality, the, the, the Jupiter um, conjunct the ascendant, wants um, these relationships that go on and on. And instead, you see them end, and it causes you great pain rather than saying, who's next? You know? Um, and I, I feel like that's going to be a, a pattern to um, make peace with. Um, so lots of of just incredible stuff here. Um, I would, um, I'd love to, to think and talk about this a lot more, um, but I, uh, I, I think those are the main, main points that I wanted to, to bring out in this chart. Mm. Thank you for that, uh, uh, Deacon Millet. Uh, thank you, Lucianus, for entrusting us with your reading. I will do your next one. Um, so the first thing that we do actually do is we divide up your uh, ascendant into the Duodecademoria and in the 12th parts. That means that your ascendant actually falls in the 12th part of Leah, which tells us to be mindful of eye illnesses and bladder infections and bladder illnesses in your life. So it's going to be a common sort of illness that you may be dealing with be particularly mindful of it. To understand your social relationships, we first look to the 11th house, which is ruled by uh, Libra. So we look to the ruler of Libra, which is Venus, in the 5th house, in Aries, in detriment. At the same time, the ruler of Aries, Mars, is in Taurus, in detriment. So they're two very weak planets that are trying to sort of support and help one another. And this speaks to the reason why you have these social dissolvings. This is a Venus that needs some support, so I would highly recommend getting some type of Venus talisman. It is interesting that this Venus is making a whole sign aspect to Saturn, the planet of delays and obstruction. So we have two kind of planets working on Venus here. The planet of harmony is being obstructed by that Mars in that martial uh, sign Aries, while also receiving some rays and gaze from Saturn. This is what's causing that delay. To remediate it, you'd want to strengthen and bolster up that Venus. Now, you should note that the lord of your soul is Venus. This is the planet that has the most power in your chart and is the planet that will give you the greatest amount of health. It usually indicates a person who is inclined towards harmonizing, a person who is inclined towards creative pursuits, a person who is inclined towards making beautiful things. But because it is afflicted here, because it has some difficulty, you will want to reach out and do some Venusian planetary work. I would recommend incorporating regular Venus 
uh, offerings on Fridays or when Venus enters into a much stronger sign like Libra, like it's in right now. Um, I would also encourage you to get some type of Venus talisman. Next, we look to the lot of the daemon, which will give us the direction of your life. And it just so happens that this Arabic lot falls in Aries, almost conjunct that Venus. So we're really seeing Venus emphasized here, but also it tells us a little bit about the difficulties that you're facing. When we perfect, when we release from the lot of the daemon, we can get really acute predictions about your life and what you're going to be experiencing. Starting early December of this year, you're going to have some further difficulties with distance, particularly with business, with friends, with a partner, if you're with someone right now, there's going to be a busyness that is introduced. There's going to be a distance that's introduced, not just an emotional distance, but an actual physical distance. This may result in the fact that you and your friends are separated or you and your partner are separated. They may have to travel for work or you may have to travel for work or there's some type of long commute that is going to be happening. This will all occur from the beginning of December to early May 2020. So you're looking at a period of several months five to six months of increased tension, while in the coming year, the Lord of your year is going to be that Saturn that's causing obstructions and delays. So you are going to see a heightened moment of tension within your community, a heightened moment of tension in your partnerships, lasting from about December to May. And what you can do is rely upon that Venus in order to ameliorate it. I would highly encourage you to get some type of Venusian talisman to make Venus as part of your regular devotional practice. And what this will start to do is ameliorate some of those tensions. You should note that once this tension with the community is dissolved, you are going to experience a fluctuation in your finances in the next part of your life. So you're looking at 2020 as being a little bit more challenging than you would hope for, but there is good news. After this challenging period, Venus is going to take over, and that's going to really open up things in your life. If you start with those Venusian offerings and remediations now, that will help to navigate the community and relationship and friendship tensions that will begin at the end of this year, beginning of 2020, and it will help to mitigate some of those financial fluctuations, which will likely result uh, from a sudden expenditure, perhaps around some type of mobility or repair or car, some type of repair work that is going to be sudden expenditures. It's going to have an impact on your finances. But once you activate that Venus, you can recover from it and enter into a period in which you're able to harmonize all these different components. You will be able to find community. You will be able to find a more meaningful connection with your friends. It only is going to happen a little bit later in 2022. So we're looking at a little bit of a long-term trajectory here, but that is what I see for you. We've reached uh, the end of our, of our segment, but thank you for entrusting us with your situation. Please take these remediations into account. I think almost all of us saw uh, a Venusian remediation in some way, shape, or form, even the different yes. approaches that we had to astrology. So tap into that Venus. It is going to be your ally. Yeah. Thank I just you want so to say much. One thing too, that Uranus, the Uranus at the midheaven is, uh, I always call Uranus, uh, there's an old song, um, keep your freak flag front flying. There is something about you that's so unusual and so eccentric that will reach the public. That's another way to challenge 
to channel that challenge to your Venus, and um, and also your Mars is so well placed uh, that mm-hmm. it's doing so much better stuff. So keep that Mars working. And remember the eye and bladder stuff. Be careful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Support for this program is provided by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and located online at luckymojo.com, and by the Association of Independent Readers and Group Workers, AIR, a directory of ethical and authentic conjure practitioners, located online at readersandrootworkers.org, and by Hoodoo Psychics, the first psychic line run entirely by Hoodoo practitioners. Receive a reading with a trusted root worker instantly. Call one 888 for Hoodoo, or visit hoodoopsychics.com. And by the Crystal Silence League, a free online prayer service of the Association of Independent Spiritual Churches, located online at crystalsilenceleague.org. Now it's time to go to the phones and talk to our next client. We will be talking to Rebecca at area code 631. Rebecca, are you there? Yes, hi. Hi, good to have you here. You said in your write-up that you did not receive a reading or a root work on this particular issue from any of our hosts and guests today. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. And Rebecca writes, I'm looking for a general birth chart reading and how to make the best of the difficult placements. I'm excited for this show. I love astrology. (laughs) (laughs) It came to the right. it over to you all. <laughs> yeah. I think our uh, first reading is going to be a Deacon Millet, followed by myself, then Evan, and finally Miss Cat. Okay. Well, pleased to meet you. Um, looking at your chart, uh, it's it's a very different chart. I'm I'm used to with talking to people. Um, and uh, yours is is kind of pleasant to me, um, all that. You have Venus conjunct the sun, which is just uh, pure and delightful, and it's right there in the first house. Um, it's in Gemini, which gives you some, some real snap. Um, you also have uh, a, a self-discipline that is very nice because you have Saturn... Um, and Mars together, uh, you, I would not want to be your enemy um, with that, with that, uh, with that conjunction because you're a a powerful um, person and you're willing to go the distance um, for the things that you believe. Uh, so that is that's very striking to me. Um, if anything, I see a lot of oppositions here. Um, in particular, uh, your Mercury seems to to really conflict with that Mars and Saturn, and there's there's a feeling of of disconnect or or disagreement there. It's like you either go with what you're thinking and your logic, or you go with with what you're feeling adamantly and want to express, um, and those things and come in sync. So you're kind of like, well, I'm going to hide what I'm thinking, I'm going to do what I'm feeling, or vice versa. Um, so it's a it's an interesting, um, passionate way of being. You know, um, 
some, some very nice sextiles for growth opportunities. Um, and the, the main harmonious aspect that I see here is between Mercury and Jupiter. And uh, you, you have the ability to, to go on some um, extraordinary uh, adventures of mind. Uh, with this placement. So uh, the way you think is extravagant and um, very amazing, and it's it's something that you mostly keep to yourself. It may be something that is a cult in nature, um, but it's, uh, it's extraordinary and worth um, expressing and delving into deeper. So those are my initial thoughts off of this, and um, good stuff here. Thank you, uh, Deacon Miller. That was uh, fantastic and, and beautiful. Uh, thank you for entrusting us with your uh, chart. And I think you were looking at sort of general readings and in particular how to deal with some of the more difficult placements because you do have a few of them. So let's start as, as I always do. So your ascendant is in Taurus, which is fantastic. The blessed signs, one of the traditional blessed signs indicating that if all else is good in your chart, you will perceive blessings, love, happiness, home, etc. generally when the ascendant falls on Taurus. But we further divide the ascendant into the Duodocodomora, that is the 12th part. And your 12th part actually falls in Scorpio. And that is generally an indication that your life may have been shaped or will be shaped by some type of betrayal from a friend or a loved one. This is a common theme for Scorpio Duodocodomoria. So be mindful of this. This might have happened already for you or it might happen soon, but there is a sense of betrayal from a loved one or friend that can impact it. And this is a common theme for Scorpios. They often get betrayed by their close loved ones or their uh, people will turn on them. This is common in the Duodecodemoria. There are a couple things that stand out here. First and foremost is that Jupiter in retrograde in the ninth house, which usually is an indication that you want to be mindful on any type of long distance travel as it may cause fluctuations and difficulties in your fortune and your luck. And you may have some difficulties whenever you try to travel long distance. So be mindful of any long distance travel, particularly as this is almost opposite of your lot of fortune in the third house. So travel, take extra precautions, make sure that you're safe. The next kind of difficult uh, relationship that we find in your chart and something that you'll want to remediate is that Saturn and Mars conjunction in the seventh house. Uh, Saturn is, is uh, particularly dangerous, but in your chart, um, it's doubly so because this is a night chart. And so Saturn is the greater malefic for you. We divide up the malefic based off of day or night to see which is worse. And in this case, Saturn is worse. Both of them are also retrograde, which makes them unreliable and fluctuating. This can generally indicate some type of illness for your partner. Now, I should note that this theme of illness may come up for you as well. The lot of spirit is in Aries, and it is going to be activated in 2022 to 2024 um, with that moon in Aries in the 12th house. Um, I'm not sure if you suffer from migraines right now, but you may start to experience severe migraines from 2022 to 2024. And so I would recommend that you begin taking some form of cooling bath that will help to address and remediate this. I'm a big fan of taking basil and uh, mashing it up into some coconut water and using that as a wash on the body. It really cools down that 
overheated uh, Aries and that moon in Aries that will help to address it. The reason why I want you to start some type of remediation and also to start to get yourself checked out by a doctor is that there are indications here that if untreated, those migraines may end up leading you to physical isolation. Now, that can be isolation in the home where you're unable to go out and you have to kind of stay under the covers in the dark of a room, or it may even be uh, hospitalization. So be mindful of this illness. It is 2022 is going to be an increase. Is that someone saying something or are I just hearing things? I'm assuming I'm just hearing no, things. I <laughs> made technical, there's technical snafu of some sort. Um, but yeah, so be mindful that there is some type of increase in ailment from 2022 to 2024 that'll be related perhaps to the mind, perhaps to migraines, an increase in overheating. So go and see a doctor, make sure that you take care of yourself, make sure that you do these cooling baths, and you should be fine. My final recommendation for you is to get some type of uh, protective talisman, uh, some type of talisman around um, healing, protection, uh, safe travel. This should be something physical. It could be a mojo bag. It could be a medallion that you will wear on your body that will help to ameliorate some of these influences. And I want you to work with Mercury in that regard. Mercury is the lord of your soul. It is the most powerful planet in your chart and will be the planet most likely uh, inclined to help you out. Mercury also happens to be really good at healing and really good at protecting people during travel. So it is the ideal planet to work for for you. So we've got a little bit of a timing-ish thing. You might, you can narrow this timing further with things like a solar revolution chart, which will break down month by month, but be mindful of that 2022 to 2024 time period as an increase of illness for yourself. That's what I see here. Um, hopefully that was useful for you. I'm going to turn this over to the wonderful Evan, uh, and then Miss Cat will give you your you. final reading. Oh, thank you, Conjurman. And that was um, very interestingly <laughs> aligned with uh, some of the remedies that I have for that moon because, yeah. Um, so the way that um, uh, Conjurman interpreted it, I definitely can see the connection between, like, the, the physical maladies and the headaches. The way that I was interpreting it, I'm look, I, I looked at your chart, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is an, a, this is an attack on Mercury. Like, <laughs> Mercury is getting slammed uh, in that first house. Mm -hmm. Now, um, my chart... Uh, style, of course, is a little bit different. I'm going to start with uh, your perfection year. So you, uh, I believe, are going through your second house perfection year, and this is ruled by Mercury. Mercury is in the first house. Um, as Ali said, this is a great place for Mercury, but it's not just the fact that it's in an angular house. This is also Mercury's joy. Um, there are a, there's a system in Hellenistic astrology called the planetary joy system where certain planets do very well in certain houses, and Mercury does very well in the first house. So you not only have a Mercury that, um, while it's in Taurus, it's not the greatest Place, but um, it, it, it can do quite a bit, you know, if, if it just wasn't being slammed by that uh, Saturn Mars pileup. Now, um, this is a, a uh, this is a uh, night chart, so Mars is in sect, but Saturn is out of sect, and that is going to um, definitely give Saturn the upper hand where that uh, little consideration is con concerned. Now, um, trying to look at things from a larger scope because you just want something a little bit more generous. I, I try to. Uh, use the little time I had to look at some transit stuff for you. And I know that you're a student of this cat. So I know that you're on your way to developing some type of spiritual practice and things. And I think um, I would say from now till your next birthday, 
uh, you'll probably see more of an emphasis uh, on some of those second house themes. This doesn't directly connect to what I just said, but uh, just to go in order here. Um, there will be more an emphasis on those second house themes, um, particularly your money, your resources, and the things that you value. Uh, so you want to keep in mind, uh, keep in mind um, some of those things. And also the sun placed here uh, may inspire some new information that comes your way. And I'm thinking about that in terms of you being a student um, of Ms. Katz. And also with Venus here, there may be a reassessment of, of what's of value uh, to you while you go through this perfection year. The south node here makes me think that um, there may be some letting go of some of these uh, second house themes. Um, again, going back to your money, your assets, your values. And um, those things sometimes are not always physical. Sometimes those values are emotional or archetypal. So some of the things that you might cast off during this here uh, could fit within uh, that framework, especially with Venus, Chiron, and the Sun in, to, in conjunction. I mean, I just want to say this as a, as a side piece. If there's anything that you'd probably be really skilled at, it may be healing, <laughs> like uh, recognizing uh, where people need to heal and, and moving through that. But, um, you know, getting through that Mars-Saturn uh, thing is probably going to be the first hurdle to cross. So uh, just getting back to Mercury conjunct your, your midheaven, um, it's, a, it's a loose conjunction, but it is here. And it, it does convey to me that you're highly intelligent and skilled. I can see why you have an interest in root work uh, with the physician, you know, Mercury thinking things out in an earth sign. And um, to an extent, astrology with Jupiter in the ninth and Uranus in the eighth, both of those are uh, very kind of higher mind uh, positions. Um, you tend to take your time to approach and learn new information with Mars conjunct Saturn. Uh, you definitely have the willpower. I, I look, I'm trying to look for the positives here with that Mars uh, conjunct Saturn. I say, yeah, like, you know, you're, you're willing to put in the work, but um, yeah, getting to the, the meat and potatoes of this chart, it's that Mercury opposing Saturn. Uh, one of the challenges here that you might have, maybe trusting your information uh, versus what's uh, presented to you by others. And that can even stem back to what Conjurman was saying with uh, trusting people and the issues of betrayal. Mars and Saturn are two malefics. They're both in uh, retrograde positions, so they're, you know, they, they're not reliable. They're, there's nothing really solid um, or um, uh, really stable about them here, especially in this angular house. And that can, that can make it hard uh, with relationships um, to some extent. But I'd say one of the things you can do in a physical uh, mental adjustment sense is uh, to adopt a little bit more flexibility with this concern in regards to people. Um, when you maybe get too much rigidity from Saturn or give too much rigidity, it could impede your relationships and your overall growth and too much aggression um, or even, you know, I kind of look at Mars in, in Scorpio's like suspicion. Um, it can, uh, also, you know, that can also be a hindrance. It can harm more than help. Uh, now, speaking to the positives, Jupiter is going to transit your, um, your 11th house from December to May, I believe, which should be a good time to throw some good energy towards that 7th house. I don't think it's going to remove the effects of Mars and Saturn. I mean, that's just, that's natal. That's what you have to work with. But it might be able to um, add a little soothing balm to uh, the, the intense heat and, and brittleness that Mars and Saturn are causing. When I think of Mars, I think of intense heat, and I think of Saturn, I think of uh, a frozen wall, and I think of Jupiter as that warming rain that can put out the fires and, and soothe. <laughs> so um, with that, I, I'm going to uh, just see uh, in regards to um, looking at like a lunar, a lunar remedy, I, I felt like you needed one because of that Mars and the, uh, sorry, the, the moon and the 12th in Aries. Uh, Evan, that moon Evan, is can not I just can I just jump in? Let's do remedies at the end so we give Kat a chance oh, to, to finish her reading. Absolutely. Sure thing, sure thing. Thank um, you I very much for that fantastic reading. Oh, sure thing. Um, just to finish up really quickly, I would just say uh, focus on Mercury, on working and strengthening Mercury as like a, a key to help you get over some of that Saturn um, and Mars stuff. But uh, that's all I have for you. Turning it over to you, Ms. Kat. Okay. 
Um, I'm looking at your chart, and the first thing that strikes me is that it's a what's called a bow tie chart. Some of the planets are on the left, some are on the right. Bow tie charts look like two little, like a bow tie, two little fans. It's more on the right. The left is the side of the self. The right is the side of the others. <clears throat> the other thing that strikes me about your chart, immediately there are no squares that I see in the way I've cast it. And a chart with no squares is unusual. Squares are tension aspects and conflict aspects. My old teacher, Gavin Arthur, used to say, when people with no squares complain, boo-hoo-hoo. <laughs> and uh, it was his, well, that was just his way of saying, you have a pretty good chart from the standpoint of not having a lot of tension. You do have oppositions, however. Oppositions are more inherent. You can't see both planets at once. You have to decide always between one or the other. But squares are like, like mom and dad fighting in front of you. Oppositions are like two people in two cities telegraphing their complaints. So the fact that you have no squares is offset by the really remarkable number of retrogrades you have. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Mm-hmm. No, six retrogrades. Six retrograde planets. Um, six retrogrades is going to make up for those squares because they are all about the tension. So, But it's all internal to each sign and each planet. It's not like that the planets are in conflict. You know, your, your Mars isn't fighting, you know, your Venus. It's just having its own boiling internal energy. So all these retrogrades are not so great. And um, that means that you bottle up a lot inside of you. Well, now we go to that moon in Aries that they were talking about before. You can trace around a person's uh, chart by going from one point to another, and you just go from one to another, another, and you end up back where you started, or else you don't. I mean, you, but it should be like a map. However, your moon is left hanging out to dry. So is your Venus and sun, but they're conjunct each other, so they at least have each other to anchor each other on. Your moon in Aries is just everything. It goes there, and then nothing happens. So that your moon in Aries in the 12th is not only occulted, occluded, um, solitary, alone. Um, it, uh, it means that negative energy of emotions can build up inside you and really have no place to go. Not a great, not a great thing. So I would work on um, trying to deal with that. And the only place that it goes, unfortunately, is uh, that it opposes mm. your Pluto and Libra, and that's not so good. So beware mm. of mm-hmm. um, having negative emotions. Uh, no squares, six retrogrades, and then you have one other thing on your chart which I find intriguing, and that is called a, sometimes called the finger of fate or the yod. It's two um, uh, quincunxes, and they point to Venus, and they are from uh, Neptune and from Pluto, which are sextile each other. In other words, it's a, a little isosceles triangle. Now, remember I said I don't count uh, Neptune, Pluto, and Uranus very heavily unless they're doing something that nobody else is doing. Well, in this case, they are holding that yod together. So Neptune sextile Pluto was a, a aspect that occurred during the hippie movement. Well, not the hippie movement, during the era when the hippies were born. So I would say that you probably are a bit of a hipster, a bit of a bit of a you, you like a freedom of thought, and you you kind of reflect some of the ideas of the hippies, which is fine. And it goes to your Venus, which is great. And um, and so you are an expressive person. The trouble is those inner emotions, that feeling of confinement, the, that you can't be your full self um, because of that moon in Aries. 
I will say that the Mars conjunct Saturn, everyone's talked about it already. Uh, beware. That's not a great, mm-hmm. not, that's a mm-hmm. really bad. Okay. <laughs> so it's dangerous. It's dangerous and it can, um, since uh, Mars is in Scorpio, which is its rulership, and the moon is in Aries, um, uh, not good, um, Pluto, which is the co-ruler with Mars and Scorpio, it's just a mess and you do need to be aware of your health, inflammations, and things like that. Thank you very much, Ms. Kat. Hopefully, Ms. Moody, Moody, this answered some of your questions. This was a sort of general reading rather than directed at any one thing. You got a lot of information. Hopefully, you wrote it Thank down. You. If not, listen to the archives. All the best. <laughs> we're going to take a quick break with our announcer, and then they're going to our network announcements, and then we're going to come back with our announcer. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include The Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30. The Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix LeFay, Fridays, 1 to 2. And Blue Flag Root Radio with Lady Muse, Fridays, 7 to 8. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. And now it's time for our pre-sell segment from our special guest, Deacon Millet of fouralters.com in the high desert of California. Take it away, Deacon Millet. Thank you, thank you. Well, um, I decided for our free spell that I would use um, Lucianus and and his chart as a um, kind of an example of how to go about ameliorating things in your own life because it had so many squares in it and um, so many things that I felt needed harmonizing. So first I wanted to to come up with some mixes that would soothe um, these squares. And with these, I take elements of each of the planets involved, and we mix them and use them together to to try to teach them harmony or get them into a harmonious state. So um, for the square between Jupiter and Pluto, um, I came up with garden sage and basil as herbs to use um, in cooking when possible. Um, For the sun square Saturn, I thought of flowers, sunflowers and carnations would be a good um, combination, Uh, not necessarily aesthetically, but it would be pleasing to the planets. Um, And then for an incense uh, to burn, I would try anise and sandalwood. Um, which are emblematic of Neptune and Mercury in turn. So this is kind of the idea. You find out the correspondences with the planets, and you you find ways of mixing elements associated with them in your daily life and around you um, so that there's a consistent uh, sense of harmonizing those things. Um, in terms of spell work for an altar, um, A honey jar is something that I really, really like using um, when there are squared planets. 
And the first thing you have, mm. need to do is come and think about the planets and think about an image that fits each planet's personality for you personally. If you just can't do that, you can use an image of the actual planet and the, the sign for the sigil for that planet. You could use a photo, a picture of the god involved. But you take the two squared planets and you want to glue them face-to-face with honey so that they're as if it were a relationship where you want them to kiss. And in between, I would put some of these mixes that I spoke of earlier, a sunflower petal um, and a carnation petal together, or um, a star anise and a little bit of sandalwood, or some sage and base. Um, and you just do a regular honey jar with it. Um, you, you place them down in the honey. And then in this case, as Venus is so important to Lucianos' chart, I suggested that we, on top, we use pink candles and rose oil on top of this honey jar. Um, and then lastly, for more of that Venus empowerment, you could carry uh, a small pink mojo with a copper penny, rose quartz, um, a rose bud, um, and just carry that on, on your person. You use rose um, oil to anoint it. Um, these are just emblematic of the ways in which um, I like to ameliorate negative aspects. Oh, that's so cool. That's so fantastic. Yeah, I think we all have such unique approaches to, to remediation. I love the idea of working with honey jars. I didn't even consider mm-hmm. that. That's so such an interesting approach, and I, lo- I love the idea. It really fits with the idea of harmonizing those planets, right, those planetary <laughs> energies. A little bit of sweetness goes a long, long yeah, I, I'd like to jump in here with just a couple of ideas. If people want to work with um, the imagery of signs and planets and don't want to, like, you know, plunge full depth into astrology, there's a very uh, easy-to-get uh, pamphlet. It's been in, in print for years. You can buy it online for anywhere between 12 and $15, depending on whether it's new or used. It's called Keywords by Paul R. Grell, and it's published by the American Federation of Astrologers, and it will give you um, a, a fantastic um, way of looking at um, the emotions and thoughts behind the signs. The other book I recommend if you want to get into flowers, stones, and everything is Llewellyn's Complete Book of Correspondences. Mm. And this is a book that's basically a giant encyclopedia of correspondences. There are things missing from it. There are things with which I might disagree, but it's worthwhile. And it's a, mm-hmm. it's very, very down-home direct book. It's a little more expensive, um, right. It's a big, fat book. We should also mention uh, Stanley Barrett's handout, which is uh, going to be part of Evan's workshop at the festival. Uh, and then right. uh, attendees will actually, it'll be a PDF handout, and then for the virtual mm-hmm. we'll do Heritage Festival. And part of the book and the hardcover is going to follow for attendees. So if you're really interested in astrology, guess what? You get to learn astrology from one of the best, our very own Evan um, and and we're going to have that workshop coming up in a few weeks, and there's tickets still available. 
So if you're interested, not yeah. even a few weeks, a few days at this point in time. That's right. Next weekend. Literally a few days. So if you want to get your, your uh, tickets, you will not only get hands-on training from Evan, learn more about your birth star, look more specifically your ascendant, shifting away from just sun sign astrology to something a little bit more concrete and personal. You'll learn more about your ascendant. You also get this fantastic handout here that has been uh, reproduced and going to be available for everybody who attends, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm-hmm. That is exciting, exciting stuff. So get your tickets. Get your tickets. Well, this was a really fun uh, Oracle hour. It was such a blast chatting with my fellow astrologers here, Kat and Deacon mm-hmm. Miller and Evan Lionheart. You were all wonderful and interesting uh, clients who are interested in astrology. You now have four different styles that you can approach and uh, turn to in order to get your chart read. We're going to turn this over to Dark Murphy, our stalwart guide who will lead us out. And then we'll come back and say goodbye in a variety of different ways. Thank you, Miss Cat and Contraman. And thank you, Evan Lionheart of readingsbyevan.com in New Jersey and Deacon Millet of fouraltars.com in California for being our guests this week. We invite you all to join us in two weeks and we will have another fine guest for a live episode. And next week, enjoy a classic episode rebroadcast while we are all at the Virtual Voodoo Heritage Festival. Once again, we've come to the end of another Lucky Mojo Voodoo Rupert Hour. Brought to you by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California. You can find Miss Cat via the Lucky Mojo Forum at forum.luckymojo.com and Conjurman at conjurmanconsulting.com in Mission Viejo, California. I'm your announcer, Doc Murphy, joining you from rootdocmurphy.com. The Lucky Mojo Root Work, Work Hour can be heard every week live on Blog Talk Radio at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And the shows are available in archive via luckymojo.com slash radioshow.html. For all of us at Lucky Mojo, I'd like to thank you for being here and invite you to tune in once again next week, in two weeks, at the same time when you will hear the familiar strain of the Memphis Jug Band playing the Jug Band Waltz. Thanks, everybody. Goodbye. (laughs) Thank you, everybody, and thank you, Doc Murphy. Yeah. Um, I want to give a special shout-out to our having two guests at once. That was fantastic. It was. I really liked it. I also want to give a shout-out to everybody in the chat room. Um, My gosh, uh, Angela L., Colleen Mojo Girl, Cliff Lowe, Cousin Joshua, Covet Gift 2, Dr. Sweet, Jamais, Lucianas, Onyx Rose, Papa G, uh, Sabaduria One, and Tony I. Thank you all for for letting us uh, come into your ears tonight. Get your tickets for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival at hoodooheritagefestival.com. Good night. Good night. Good night. night. (laughs) See you there. Every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.